0: I was born and raised in St. Clair Shores, Michigan. I wanted to serve our country. I graduated in 1987 from Lakeshore High School. Ironically, the same high school as Candace Miller, our current sitting congresswoman. As I said, I wanted to serve, so I joined the Air Force. I went from E-1 to Air Force One. I uh, spanned a career of 27 years. Uh, my last five years, I was uh, the chief mission director, serving the president directly in the PAG, presidential airlift group. Uh, what that meant is I would go to the White House and personally receive the president's uh, schedule, come back and lead an elite team of five captains, plan, lead, and direct at every one of the president's trips.
1: Wow, so you got
0: to actually fly with the
1: Commander-in-Chief on Air Force One. You were in charge of those
0: missions. Absolutely. I didn't fly in all of them, and we like to spread the wealth and you know, like to <laughs> groom the younger guys coming up, but sure. uh, involved in every, every trip. So you do have some uh, military experience, and now you're running for
1: Congress, and the first question I always ask uh, every candidate is why you're running
0: for Congress. Well, there's five candidates, but only one veteran, and I'm the only veteran. Uh, I have proven trusted leadership, uh, as previous stated, at the highest level, as I served the highest office in our country by serving as the chief mission director of Air Force One. Um, when I retired a year and a half ago, I moved back home. Homes were my hardest. I took a high-tech renewable energy job as the executive vice president and site manager for Navitas Systems. It was a small startup company. I saved 70 jobs from going overseas to China because of uh, A123 when they went bankrupt. Uh, Wangsheng, they came in and bought that company. So I was an, a key proponent in doing the merger acquisition uh, between A123 and Navitas and took that small, t- high-tech renewable energy company from a startup to a multimillion-dollar company under my leadership as I was the executive vice president and site manager. So I'd like to say I've proven trusted leadership at the highest level by serving uh, the office of the president as the chief mission director of Air Force One. And so I have the defense sector experience and, and I managed multi-million dollar programs throughout my career and saved uh, millions of taxpayer dollars under those programs that I managed. One of them was the AC-130 gunship. And I also have proven trusted leadership in the private sector. Uh, as the executive vice president of Navitas, and save 70 jobs from going overseas to China, as well as uh, increased jobs here in Michigan. So that mix of experience,
1: uh, both uh, in the military and in the private sector, uh, uniquely qualifies you, it sounds like, to, uh, uh, to, to, to run for this office.
0: Absolutely. And I'll add this, though. What's facing our nation right now is national security. We're no, no more secure today than we were seven years ago. Uh, ever since 9-11, we've been attacked. Uh, we've had attacks in uh, Fort Hood, uh, Chattanooga, San Bernardino, Boston, and now most recently uh, in Orlando. Uh, this threat needs to be uh, eradicated and eliminated swiftly and accurately. And I have the experience to do that. None of these other candidates served today.
1: So how would you do that uh, as a member of Congress? What, uh, w- what needs to be done
0: Yeah, well, you know, under this administration, a comment was made that this is a JV, you know, league. This is not. They've proven not. They've proven to be resilient. Um, You have to listen to those closest to the threat, your commanders in the field, and they provided uh, assessments. Also, you have to listen to your different uh, department agencies, the CIA. Uh, They have proven plans to eliminate this threat. We just need to act on it. Do we need troops on the ground, do you think, to eliminate that threat? You know, I I never take anything off the table, and that's where I have to go back to those who are closest to that threat, and they know what's best and how to eliminate it uh, swiftly and accurately. And if that calls for, uh, you know, deploying troops and getting boots back on the ground for just a small period of time, absolutely, I would support that. See, it's Congress that declares war. Right. You know, and you want someone with Proven, vetted, experience. See, I've been in four wars, Pat. You know, I went through Desert Shield, Desert Storm when I first came in. When I joined in 1987, boom, I was right in 1990, 91. I was faced with Operation Desert Shield, Desert Storm, Operation Just Cause in Panama. And then you have Afghanistan, Iraqi Enduring Freedom. Uh, So I have experience in this. Um, Proven, trusted leadership. Now, one thing that has been suggested as a
1: way to help neutralize the threat uh, of uh, ISIS uh, is to temporarily ban uh, Muslim immigration into the U.S. Is that something that you
0: would support or is there another way? You know, I believe uh, that, you know, we're we're a melting pot here and the door should be wide open for all those who come through. But also note that we're a land of law and justice. They need to come through the door, not around the door. Uh, so I'm not just going to take a broadband brush stroke and say, oh, no, we're just going to ban, you know, a specific ethnic group of people. I don't agree with that. Uh, but I also agree uh, with his statement, though. They need to whoever comes through here needs to be they need to come through the door legally. And do it the right way, and we need to properly vet them. And if we can't vet them, and we can't understand and trace them back, and and their intents, and really why they're coming here, then I believe they shouldn't be allowed here. Which brings us to uh, immigration in
1: general. Uh, that also is a topic uh, that you would have to face if uh, if elected to Congress. What would you do uh, if if you were in Congress? What would you propose to secure the border and to reform immigration? <laughs>
0: Uh, First, I would just say, let's be accountable for the laws and rules we already have in place. So it's not that we don't have these laws and rules in place. It's just following through and executing them. And that's a problem. Sometimes I think we turn a blind eye to some things and we shouldn't. And so we've got to follow through with what's already in place. And then we take a look and see if that's effective once we start to execute there. And if it's not, then we have to look at, you know, some reform in those areas. And and I also agree with the the statement of uh, you know, presidential uh, candidate uh, Mr. Trump. If if that means building a wall to um, help curtail some of those uh, people trying to come through here illegally, I'm for that absolutely. How would Congress pay for that? Uh, mm-hmm. There's various ways, right? You know, I know Mr. Trump, uh, he seriously says, hey, we're going to make Mexico pay for that. But, but I think, you know, that's a statement that is really misunderstood. We need to do a better job in our negotiations. One thing I do like about Mr. Trump is he's a businessman. And, and the problem is we have sent politicians to broker and negotiate uh, deals internationally. And we're always on the losing end. And if we would be on the winning end, guess what? There'd be enough revenue to pay for that wall hands down. So there's various ways. We got to do a better job in how we negotiate our international policies and affairs. You send proven, trusted businessmen who have that knowledge and capability, such as myself and not politicians. The number one concern in any election is usually the economy.
1: What would you do to address the economy uh, if elected to Congress? How How would you make
0: things better? Yeah, great question. You know, that's one of the reasons why I'm very passionate, not only about national security, but job creation here in our Great Lakes state of Michigan. Uh, sadly, you know, jobs continue to flee <clears throat> Michigan as well as our children are going with them. Uh, under this administration, the last seven years, we've had a, a deficit now go from $10.2 trillion to over $19.3 trillion. Uh, this is fiscal irresponsibility at the grossest levels. You know, each every one of us, we have to balance a checkbook. So should our federal government. Uh, We cannot keep just giving them a pass and and raising the debt ceiling limit. How we attack that here in in Michigan specifically is you have to incentivize job creation, and part of that is a free market. You know, we have the uh, uh, highest income uh, tax corporate rate in the world. And so jobs, corporations continue to go internationally. We need to fight to keep them here. Also, we're overregulated with the banks. You know, I can give you several examples. I have uh, many of my friends are business owners, partners of mine, And they um, they can continue to struggle to get loans to even bid on big contracts, whether it be three hundred thousand up to a million dollars, because the banks are so restrictive now because we, the government, have billed them out and we didn't allow them to fail free market should dictate. And I believe if we start to incentivize the small business owners and then job creation, that will keep jobs here and you can, you know, have a more robust economy. If, if free trade is the answer, then where
1: would you stand on, uh, say, trade agreements like uh, NAFTA, uh, the Trans-Pacific Partnership? Would you raise tariffs on, uh, would you support raising tariffs on companies, U.S. companies that uh, took jobs overseas?
0: This goes back to these deal- when we broker them, so I'm for free trade. But listen, it needs to be three things need to be included, and people need to understand this. Mm -hmm. It needs to be fair, it needs to be equitable, and mutually beneficial. And sadly, you know, the the different free trade agreements that we've negotiated uh, haven't been in favor of America, and that needs to be reversed.
1: So you would be in favor of renegotiating those deals, or if they can't
0: be renegotiated, just... Getting out of them. Absolutely. Again, it needs to be fair, mutually beneficial, and equitable. And it (laughs) needs to benefit Americans and can quit benefiting other countries. Going back to
1: our conversation earlier about uh, uh, terror, uh, we we mentioned of course uh, the recent events uh, in uh, uh, Orlando and San Bernardino, uh, in addition to being an issue of uh, uh, of terrorism in those cases, uh, it, it also brings us to the uh, uh, hot button issue of uh, violence and guns. What sort of things could you propose or would you propose that would be practical that may help? reduce the incidence of violence and still not violate people's rights?
0: Yeah, great question. Uh, let me just uh, throw out this stat to you. This is accurate. Uh, population has increased and gun uh, crimes have decreased. Uh, that's, that's a proven fact. Uh, so we really need to focus on, you know, what the real threat here facing uh, America, and that's uh, Islamic extreme terrorism. That threat needs to be eradicated and eliminated first. And you say, is there some common ground there as far as, you know, guns and our Second Amendment right? I, You know, uh, me as a gun owner and a uh, lifelong supporter of the NRA and a member of the NRA, I will not compromise. And that. that's a right. It's in our Constitution. And we that is a right that belongs to each and every American. Uh, guns don't kill people. People kill people. You know, and they need to be trained on them. And so first, though, the, the real threat here is extreme Islamic terrorism, which needs to be eradicated and eliminated.
1: But if uh, if someone does get a hold of a gun legally, uh, as they can now to commit uh, an act of terror, should somebody be al- uh, be allowed to buy a weapon that's capable of killing a lot of people in a short span of time uh, if they have uh, evil intent?
0: No, absolutely not. Those people need to be vetted, you know, and specifically, you know, with this Orlando shooting, uh, he was on the FBI watch list. Uh, We just didn't they just didn't act again in in a quick enough time. And this could have been eliminated, Mm -hmm. Uh, just like uh, Boston could have been eliminated. They were identified. Heck, even Russia identified them for us. Again, we don't we haven't been taking these threats uh, seriously enough and acting on on them. So, you know, no, I I, I take that uh, this very seriously, you know you never know what's in the hearts and minds of people, you sure. know, and, and, and there's a lot of crazy people out there that will, you know, they might see insane and they can go buy, you know, an assault rifle or this and that. And, you know, 99% of the people do, do not intend to do harm or, you know, mass shootings like that. Um, it's hard to prevent everything. And it's sad when these things happen. Uh, but I do believe, you know, we need to, uh, as citizens too be, be informed. And, you know, uh, we had a program in the Air Force called Eagle Eyes. And, you know, we all need to be vigilant And and, um, if you see something that looks dumb, dangerous, or different, you need to report it. You need to report it. What else would you like voters to know about David Van Ash that we haven't talked about? Yeah, thank you for that, Pat. Um, Well, first and foremost, my whole adult life has been about service. Service to this 10th district, service to our Great Lakes state of Michigan, and service to our country. Everywhere I went, I've represented Michigan and Michiganders with pride. Um, When I moved back home here... You know, it uh, it was a blessing to finally be back home and be able to go to weddings, birthdays, you know, and unfortunately some funerals and, and, and other special occasions. Um, but I have a servant's heart. I'm a servant leader, and that distinguishes me from the other candidates. Uh, they're politicians. I'm all about service, and I want to continue to serve as their elected representative in Congress. I I lived in D.C. for over six years. I know how powerful it is, and I also know how corrupt it is. I'm a man of integrity. I'm a Christian. You know, in in the Air Force, we had to live by three core values, which I came up with through 27 years. Mm -hmm. It's very important. The first core value is integrity first, doing the right thing when no one else is looking. But I always remind people as a Christian, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, watching the good and the evil. So when you do bad, you're only deceiving yourself. The second core value is service before self. I look at that as considering other people's needs more important than my own. That's why I want to serve them. I want to bring jobs back here. I want to keep our youth here. You know, I want to make our district safe. You know, I want to continue to serve. The last core value is excellence in all we do. And I base that on Colossians three seventeen. As a Christian, first and foremost, whatever I do, whether it be by word or deed, I try to do to the glory of God. And I will make sure, if if elected, I will I will purpose in my heart to make the tenth district of Michigan the benchmark for all other districts in our Great Lake State of Michigan. Uh, I hope people would go and vote for me, David Van Ash, on August second. Uh, 2016, uh, put a proven, trusted servant leader. If our country can trust me with a no-fail mission of planning, leading, and directing the president of the United States, I believe the constituents of our district can trust me with the leadership they don't only should uh, demand, but they deserve.
1: Let me ask you, uh, uh, as we were talking, um, if you were elected to Congress, uh, you would be working uh, with Republicans and Democrats. Can you work with Democrats? Can you work with with liberals, people who might not share some of the values that you
0: just laid out? Absolutely, a thousand percent. That's another uh, qualification, I think, as a candidate. I've been to 45 different countries in my career. (laughs) I, I, I love culture, and most importantly, I love people because they're created in the image of God. Uh, just because they have a, a different opposing view, I think I'm the best person. I have proven negotiation skills. i proved that in the defense sector and the, the the millions of dollars of programs I manage with big defense contractors uh, like Boeing, Lockheed Martin, uh, General Dynamics, Raytheon. And then when I uh, retired in the private sector, I, I know how to negotiate people. I know people very well. And I understand there's differences. I served 27 years so we can have the freedoms and liberties to disagree, right? So it's always trying to find that middle ground and where they're coming from. You know, it goes back to the old proverb, uh, seek first to be, you know, understand rather than to be understood. And I think if you go into that and you understand where they're coming from, and then you can kind of just work, you know. Uh, But there are certain things I won't compromise on. And I I won't uh, compromise on our First and Second Amendment rights. Absolutely not. as a Christian, uh, religious
1: freedom is certainly something you value and care about. Does that apply to all people,
0: uh, regardless of their faith? Absolutely. You know, I, 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 uh, I like to use this quote uh, from President Bush. He said, freedom is not America's gift to the world. It's God's gift to all humanity. We here in America, we have been blessed to enjoy the liberties And I want to continue to preserve those liberties for posterity for future generations to come. That's another reason why I'm passionate about running. I think I'm the right person to preserve those because I've already uh, taken the oath of office to support and defend our Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic.
1: As a member of the Air Force. Absolutely. Take that oath. Mm -hmm.
0: Absolutely. And President Reagan, he said this. I'll give you another uh, quote from another. uh, President Reagan, uh, one of my favorites. Um, He said, freedom must be fought for and preserved because it's one generation away from being extinct. No better person to fight for those freedoms and liberties than a veteran who served 27 years faithfully and honorably. Which brings
1: me to another question. I know we're getting far afield here, but uh, uh, as a veteran, you know uh, the challenges that veterans face. The VA seems to be a mess
0: (laughs) right now. Um, What would you do about that? Well, first, I'm I'm ashamed and embarrassed. On any given night, Pat, we have over 300,000 homeless veterans walking the streets of America. We as Americans should be ashamed. These are the men and women that took an oath to fight and preserve the freedoms that we enjoy here. They need to be taken care of. Also, I was the first to respond when uh, the VA secretary made a statement comparing our veterans uh, to an experience of our veterans being seen at a medical treatment to be seen for a treatment to an experience at Disneyland. Uh, children and people don't die in line waiting for a ride at Disneyland. Our vets have died in line waiting to be seen. This is another embarrassment. It needs to be reformed. It needs to be changed. I question the leadership there still, and I know... Um, Other people do as well. Veterans are are fed up. The veterans under this administration, in my opinion, uh, have been ignored. And not only that, our military has been neglected. It's got to change.